up, Black Executive fam? Can y'all believe it's been three months already? Time flies when you're kicking it with good people. These past three months, we've chatted with people who are phenomenal representations of Black success, Black excellence, and Black creativity. And now, it's time to wrap up season one. But don't worry, we're only going to take a short break and we'll be back in January of 2021 to usher in the new year with all Black everything. I already have topics lined up on everything from Black mental wellness to the Black creatives behind the creative strategy for many major brands navigating the chaos that has been 2020. You don't want to miss it. But to close out this year, we're going to recap some season one highlights and reveal the most popular episodes of the season. Let's start with the high points. Now, y'all know in form, true to who I am as a content strategist and a business professional, I gotta hit y'all with the metrics before I get into it. So here's some stats for you. In three months, you've tuned into this podcast in 10 countries across four continents. Yes, that's right. We international, baby. We global in this thing. Thanks to all of my listeners outside of the U.S. Some of y'all are in France, the Philippines, Germany, Russia, Canada, and the UK. And you checked in faithfully every single week. Y'all tuned in from 79 cities. 79 cities, y'all. Imagine what that would look like if we were all gathered in one building. Talk about lit. Our top 10 cities are number 10, Boardman, Oregon. 9, LA, baby. Los Angeles, California. 8, Orlando, Florida, 7, Leander, Texas, 6, Conway, Arkansas, homestay, baby, 5, Charlotte, North Carolina, my new home, thanks for tuning in, 4, Memphis, Tennessee, which is two hours away from my hometown, 3, Dallas, Texas, gotta know a lot of people in Texas if you're from Arkansas, we're almost the same state, (laughs) number 2, my actual home city, Little Rock, Arkansas, I love y'all, thanks for supporting me in every single thing that I do, my biggest fans are always in Little Rock, Arkansas, I know people say your hometown don't support you, that ain't me, my people support me, and number 1, the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, is the number one city who tunes into Black Executive on a regular basis. Thank you. And much, much love to the other 69 cities who tuned in. Most of you streamed in your podcast apps, but at least 20% of y'all listen on BlackExecutive.com. So shout out to everyone who checked out the site. And some of y'all may have even heard a few episodes early because I've dropped a few early on the site before they hit the major platforms. The majority of you listen on your phones. So maybe while you were commuting to work, working out, or out handling business, and 30% of y'all listen in from your desktop, which means you were probably multitasking while you were handling business. Either way, thank you for making me a part of your daily routine. It means everything to me. Y'all don't know. Every stream, every download, every city, every device I track and I appreciate, your stream matters. And it keeps me recording this show on days when my schedule is so busy with family and work and everything else. I don't know if I'll have the time, but I do it anyway. So thank you. And now, what y'all really want to know, what were the most popular episodes of this season? I want to start with a disclaimer that some of my newer episodes are still being promoted and will soon reach similar numbers too. The highest trending being the most recent with serial entrepreneur Antoine Davis, which has already been called one of the most impactful episodes of the season. So make sure you check that one out if you have not. So without further ado, let's get it. 
Honorable mention to three episodes, which nearly tied for spot six through eight. Girls Chronically Rock, that episode on making your disability and ability in business with Keisha Graves, which is episode six. Pioneering LGBTQ plus representation with Erica East, which was episode nine. And Get Real at Work with Blacktivist Nat Be My Girl Nat, which was episode five. Now, Nat actually has recently launched a Black-owned vegan company with her brother. And it is actually called Black-Owned Vegan Treats. So, BLV Treats is a family-ran cookie company offering gourmet vegan cookies. They're based and baked in Atlanta, ATL, and shipped fresh nationwide. Siblings Natalie and CJ join together to build a brand that promotes health, positivity, and entrepreneurship. Many Americans have negative beliefs about plant-based diets, and meanwhile, roughly 44% of Americans suffer from obesity, according to the CDC, and African Americans, that's us, y'all, lead that stat. Natalie and CJ believe that the only way people can ever hope to achieve and maintain optimal health is to select food as if it really matters, because it does. They guarantee that your entire view of vegan food will change once you take your first bite into one of their treats. Visit bovtreats.com to try out their gourmet vegan cookies. So go ahead and support Nat. If you haven't heard her episode, listen to it because that woman is a force to be reckoned with and she is coming down and doing some things for the community. Do you hear me? So go support my girl. And now for your top five. Let's go! Number five, the fifth most popular episode was Tay's episode on increasing your visibility as a UX UI designer. Fun fact about this episode, Tay and I actually recorded this particular episode to debut as a video podcast episode first on YouTube. But of course, growing pains, the video quality did not turn out great, so we scratched it. However, we did salvage a few clips for promo, which you can find online on the Black Executive YouTube channel. Here's one of my favorite clips from Tay's interview. When I first started out, I was charging next to nothing for, for projects, for work. And I slowly started building up the amount I would charge for projects. So I mm-hmm. went from being 100% free, just trying to get my experience up, learn more about how to work with people, how to collaborate, things like that, to charging like $400 for a project. Mm-hmm. And then it kept going up and up. And then I made a bet with myself, every new project, I'm going to charge more, not because I want to be greedy, but because I understand the value I bring to the business or the company I'm going to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. So every project I was like, okay, I know I, I have to be higher than this amount. So mm-hmm. I got to start thinking of different ways I can pitch value to these different companies. And mm-hmm. it would shock me how many times like people would say yes over the amount of times they said no. And Mm -hmm. to me, that was very eye-opening. Want to know what Tay's been up to lately? Well, he's launched Halftime Academy, his business and YouTube channel where you can level up all of your design skills under his guidance. Check it out and give my man some streams, like, and subscribe. Tay will also work with you one-on-one when you schedule a consultation with him. Number four, the fourth most popular episode is Loveology, podcast with Who You Love with Jason and Ashley Harris. Fun fact, this was actually the very first episode that I recorded. 
and I butchered the audio, y'all. I butchered my audio, so I had to re-record it, um, all of my parts, to make it usable. It took so long that I actually ended up launching their episode second instead. So graciously, Jason and Ashley are actually friends of the family, and they were kind enough to be my first guest, and they helped inspire me to cut out my analysis paralysis and actually start a podcast, which I have been talking about ever since I had my radio show way back when. Here's one of my favorite clips from Jason and Ashley's interview. Shoot, chill, man. You got to fall in love with your your topic. (laughs) You got to be in love with it, you know, because, you know, sometimes when you think about love, love, you know, you you have to keep no record of wrong. You know, you have to you have to have faith in what you believe in. And even though it may not be moving, (laughs) you, you may only have one view for the whole week. You know, it's not about that view. It's about you. Right. You got to go inside you and fall in love with what you're doing. And you're going to continue to push out what you're pushing out because simply you love doing what you're doing. And eventually, you know, if you just keep breaking, just keep doing what you're doing and keep doing it consistently. I recommend every week, you know, just carve out some time where you do you do your research and you do your, your, your uh, you know, do your, your recording and push it out. And I, I think, you know, it, uh, you're going to you, you have no choice but to pop, you know, and if you know that uh, one of my mentors, Master P, uh, he says no limit to what you do. So if if you really feel like it's no limit and you believe that, like it's going to grow on it, it's just going to do what it, we're so powerful and our tongue is so powerful, we don't really understand it. And it's like, just just do your affirmations, do what you do, believe in it, love it, and it's going to grow. Jason and Ashley are still podcasting regularly. You can catch their live stream of Loveology on Wednesdays on Facebook. Number three, the third most popular episode and almost tied with Loveology is Emmy Award winner Marcus Eubanks' episode on Taking Back the Media, which is number eight. Fun fact, well, I guess it's not a fact you've listened to the episode, but Marcus is one of the most well-known videographers in the Black arts community in Arkansas. His work speaks for itself and here is one of my favorite clips from Marcus's interview. When I say creatives have to have a heart to have the passion, you have to be able to grasp who you are, what you are, and when you are. Mm. Because there is a certain appointed time that God chooses his people to do his work. Mm. And if you're not listening, if you don't make yourself available, you might miss it. You might miss your call. So if you're a creative and you, um, you have to understand what, who we are in the first place as creatives, Mm -hmm. right? We have always been the rebels. We have always been the people who uh, infected or evoked change. Yes. The creatives have been those people, right? Mm -hmm. And, And whether it's in art, I mean, whether it's in painting, whether it's in music, we have always been at the, keyboard, if you will, of the struggle. Mm -hmm. We always have been. 
And so if you are a creative, you must have passion because there's one thing that I know because I've experienced it. I've done good work over my years, but it wasn't until my heart was broken and I lost my brother Mm. that everything that I, it seemed like every single thing, all the all the fights that we had, right? All the disagreements that we dealt with and all of the problems that he had because, again, he died in prison. Mm. All of those things were running through me during every shot that I took when I was shooting that documentary. Mm. Style. It was a documentary-style news story, but mm-hmm. every shot I was thinking about him, but I was also thinking about the discipline and my mind was racing and things just couldn't go fast enough. And and the connection and the the push and the power, all of that energy was encompassed and pressed out on that piece. Mm. So if you're creative, and you have passion. The amount of work that goes into whatever you're doing is only as big as you mm. and your heart. Marcus's most recent projects include collaborating with another Black executive guest, Ryan Barnes, on his upcoming short film. And you can hear more details on that film in Ryan's episode, which is actually number 12 of this season. Number two, the second most popular episode is Chanel Janae's episode on pitching to celebrities as a media writer, which is episode number three. Another fun fact is that Chanel is a former student of mine back when I was teaching college writing. I think there's no greater gift than to see a student take up the craft and then become the master. Yes, I have much love and respect for Chanel's work and journey as a creative, and I cannot wait to see what she does with this blossoming future that she is creating for herself. Big ups to my girl, Chanel. Here's my favorite clip from Chanel's interview. I remember having a conversation with someone some years back and think when I was first starting writing and they asked me, you know, in an ideal world, who would you want to write for? Mm. And I told them at the time that I wanted to write for a publication that predominantly served black women or wrote about black women's interests and their needs and their wants and things like that. And they were like, well, why black women? And I was like, why not? <laughs> right. I Number one, I am a black woman. Mm-hmm. Number two, I can only name on one hand the amount of outlets and publications that strictly serve black women and black women only. Yes. So I was like, I don't think that's far fetched of me to want to write for a publication that seeks to put me first and other people who look like me first. Finally, because for so long we have not been put first. Our interests and our needs and our desires and our, you know, critiques have not been on the forefront. Mm-hmm. They haven't been quote unquote mainstream. So yeah. I always felt like it was important for me to be aligned with a company or a publication or outlet or multiple publications or outlets that that is one of their main goals. If that's not 
Like, if that's not a main goal and if that's not, like, their model or what they strive to do, I don't... And this is just, you know, Black people in general now, you know. With mm-hmm. Exo Nicole, it is a Black women's lifestyle site, so I do get that uh, large bit of satisfaction writing for them. But just Black people in general... Yes. And like I said, our art, our lives, our livelihood, our interests and wants and needs, if that's not a part of a company's motto or they're, you know, a part of how they value their stuff... I don't want to be there. I just Mm -hmm. don't. Lately, Chanel's been making boss moves, as usual. She spoke at the 2020 Black Women in Media Conference, and she recently secured a spot as a writer for The Root, adding yet another Black mass media publication to her belt. You can find her work on The Root, Flavity, and XO Nicole. And number one... Coming in as the most popular episode of the season so far is, drumroll please, my very first published episode with Michael Jackson, MJ, who talked about his former dreams of being a rapper and his path to his current role of promotions coordinator for Def Jam Recordings. Another fun fact is that MJ is also another former student of mine. Both him and his lovely wife took my college writing course back when I was teaching. If you go back and listen to his episode, there's actually a nod to that when he says that I taught him about opening with an attention getter. When I started this show, MJ was one of the first people who came to mind because his journey into his career has been a thing of awe to watch unfold. And I'm just glad to say that I had the pleasure of teaching him. I know that both him and his wife are going to shift some things in the entertainment industry for black creatives. It's only a matter of when. Here's my favorite clip. From NJ's interview. I've shown people that you can make it out of this environment, mm. right? And it's because, like, not only I'm from Arkansas, I'm from Mariana. I don't know if you've ever been yeah. heard of it, but yeah. it's, it's very rough, right? right? It's, it's a very rough, you know, city, very poverty-stricken environment, mm-hmm. a lot of violence, a lot of gangs. And, you know, I grew up around all of that, you know, my cousins, friends, like all of, you know, I was just a I was like, I was like the good kid, man, city type of thing. Like I was mm-hmm. around it, but I never participated in those things on, on a certain level that would get me locked up or anything like that. And so I think, you know, people seeing like, yo, this is the same kid that was, you know, cause I used to, I used to have, like I told you, I had a studio in my bedroom. Right. And I mm-hmm. used to have a lot of friends who were aspiring rappers and most of those guys were drug dealers. So, mm-hmm. you know, they would come to my room and like, you know, record and it's like, yo, to see me now, like, yo, I have a friend that I'm still close with to this day who used to come to my house all the time. And he tells me all the time how proud he was of me because mm-hmm. like he remember me being the guy in the studio recording with the gangsters of the gangsters and just being <laughs> like, yo, this guy that's gonna rap. And I was always the guy like, yo, I'm going, I'm going to be the one that make it. Like I always said that. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that I did with my community was just show them like, yo, it's so much more than what we're used to. Yes. Right. And which is, you know, sad because of like, it's sad to even be like, yo, only thing I can look forward to is either working at this grocery store, mm. being a drug dealer who has aspirations of being a rapper or, you know, working, you know, at some place where you're not happy. And I think mm-hmm. for me to, you know, go through what I went through, take those chances and actually land something that seemed nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the thing. Like I'm, I was the, the, the neighborhood kid. Like you, like people, you saw me, like I, I'm a real person. Yeah. It's different when we saw like growing up and we was looking at, 
P. Diddy, and we was mm-hmm. looking at all those guys who were millionaires and billionaires. It's different when you have a guy that's on the come up that's from your own city. Like I went to school yeah. with this guy. Like I went to school, and the, and the thing is too, I'm not from New York, or LA, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to go through just being in a market that's not even a music market, mm-hmm. right? And come out of Arkansas. So I think one of the biggest things I did in my community was just show people that there's so much more than what we can do, and not only just that, like shit, we ain't all got to be rappers, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, and so just showing it, because like I said, I honestly feel like need I knew what I know now back then, I would have got here sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think showing people like, yo, there's jobs in the music industry. Like, I know yes. so many people who can draw. Like, yo, we have an art department. You like recording videos. Yo, we have mm-hmm. a video production department. Yo, you like being in the studio listening to beats. We got A&R. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you like, you know, like doing or whatever the case you might like, there's something in the music industry department that you can do mm-hmm. and that translate with your skills and so i think one of the biggest things is just showing not just my community but any community in the world like yo these young kids i don't have to be rappers bro yes you know there are so many different ways to make it out within music and if you you know put your mind to it you can do it and i'm, I'm proof of that to wrap up i'd like to thank everyone who tuned in to my interview hosted by my chief creative collaborator tay which stream on both youtube and your podcast streaming app your streams of my interview actually made it the second most popular episode of the season i didn't include that part because i mean i'm the host so i wanted to give my guests their credit having tay host was a random strategy that we didn't know would work but it did I didn't think enough of you would actually be interested in hearing my story about my creative journey, but you were. And some of y'all even logged onto YouTube to see the face behind this show. And for that, I am grateful. And I am humbled by your support for this show for every episode you listen to and share. You're growing your minds and building the Black Creative Network one connection at a time. We'll be back in January with episodes available on your favorite streaming platforms and also now on YouTube. So y'all going to get all this jazz next season, okay? I've already started recording some conversations with creatives who have blown my mind and I cannot wait to share them with you. In the meantime, take the feedback survey in the description of this episode, subscribe to our upcoming newsletter on blacksecutive.com and keep sharing this show. And before you know it, season two will be here. Happy holidays, y'all. Enjoy closing out this hell of a year, 2020. Whew. That's all right. We're going we to we bless it. We're going to throw some water on it. We're going to chant around it. And <laughs> y'all, it's coming to an end. And we're going to be open. And we're going to receive everything that we have been building and grinding and hustling our asses off into 2021. Until next year, keep aspiring to inspire. <laughs>